How are you doing today? I'm doing okay, yeah. I got decent sleep, even though The Bachelor was on last night, so I stayed oh, up yeah. way too late reading tweets. And then I actually was on time today for our recording because yes. yeah, we had an early lunch, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll tell Jill that I, I can meet up earlier if she's free. And I was like, oh, realistically, I'll actually just be on time. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. Let's not get overly ambitious what happened. here. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I got it all set up, and then like you know went to the bathroom, got water, all that stuff that I would normally forget and have to do once we were on basically doubling the amount of time that I think we'll stuff will take that's probably <laughs> I know I know I'm the same and I never want to because I think that I will be able to somehow contrary to all past evidence like no yeah. no this time this is different <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Semi Together, a podcast about having some of your life together all of the time. It's about working on where you want to get it together while giving yourself credit for where you've got it together. As we try out research-backed tips for meaningful living, we share takeaways that you can use too. I'm Malia Dicker, and I'm in Jackson, Mississippi. And I'm her sister, Jillian Burgess, and I live in Barcelona, Spain. In today's episode, we're discussing the question, what are your silent shoulds? We've talked a lot on the podcast about how we're trying to remove the word should from our vocabulary. And on the whole, I think we do this pretty naturally now. For me, it's been a game changer to frame things as I want to or I could instead of I should. But we have both noticed that we have some lingering, internalized, silent shoulds that we might not say out loud, but we still think and believe on some level. And we'll share some of our most persistent silent shoulds and some tips for identifying and getting rid of your own. But first, we wanted to share some listener feedback on our last episode, number 48, Are You a Scanner or a Diver? Claire sent us this lovely voice memo. Hi, Jill and Milia. I just listened to your episode about scanners and divers, and I am most definitely a scanner. I always have the issue when I start a project and then I suddenly decide that oh what if this other thing is better so then I start doing the other thing and then I find another thing and I start doing that Um, and that really is my issue with being a scanner is that I never actually give myself enough time to finish whatever it is that I've just started Um, and I also started reading Gretchen Rubin's book Better Than Before And she mentions, are you a starter or a finisher? And unsurprisingly, I didn't actually finish the book, but I did start reading it. And I realized that the combination of being a starter and a scanner just means that I have a whole load of unfinished projects that I feel like I've wasted my time on. So I think that is going to be one of my goals is to try and actually finish some of these projects and then feel like I've achieved something before I move on to the next. I think that's going to be a big challenge for this year. But I just want to say thank you for that episode because it really resonated with me. All right. Take care, my lovelies. Bye bye. I love this so much. (laughs) Me too. Yes, it's so great always to hear voice memos from listeners. And it's just very fun for me to hear from fellow scanners as well, who also have lots of interests and lots of ideas and feel pulled in lots of different directions. (laughs) And then to hear this frame and it's like, it's okay. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And in case you missed it, in our last episode, we talked about a personality framework created by career coach and author Barbara Sher that describes two types of people. A scanner likes to scan the horizon 
horizon for a variety of interests instead of deep diving into just one, and a diver is happy being completely absorbed by one field. So I totally relate to what Claire said about having lots of unfinished projects, but the book that I talk about in our last episode, Refuse to Choose by Barbara Sher, has really helped me reframe how I think about them, that they're not just things I've abandoned or have failed to complete, but she talks about like looking for the reward that you want from something, and when you get that, then you're done, which I love. Mm, so Yeah, maybe. that's really cool. Isn't I that nice? That. That is a really cool frame. Sometimes it can be just like you love learning something or you're excited about, you know, just the discovery process. And then once you get that, she compares it to being a bee who flies from flower to flower and gets nectar. Mm -hmm. Like they don't stay there for their entire lives. (laughs) You know, they they go to different places. They need to get nectar from different flowers. I love that. Yeah, that makes me think of a couple things. Like it also is like experimentation, you know, and it's like reading books, for example. There are some folks who will commit and if they open a book, then they will finish it. You know, Mm. but if I'm not hooked by the first, I don't know, chapter or two, then I will not. Or there's another good reason to read it, like it's a friend's favorite book or something like that. You know, I just will not do it. So you're just kind of looking for what it is, like you said, what you're trying to get out of it. Mm. And I think relationships, too, can be like that. You know, some people, when they have a long-term relationship or a marriage that ends, they can think that it was a failure. But you can also reframe that as that you both got something that you needed at that time in your lives. And then, you know, you're moving on to something else that you need. Absolutely. Yeah, I think about that with friendships a lot, too. You know, Mm -hmm. it's always sad when you do drift apart or you don't keep in touch as much as you want to with old friends. But I I always think about the, the value of that relationship and what it gave to you during the time that you were really close. And that's really important, too. Yeah, I love that. And also, I was thinking when Claire was talking about, you know, Gretchen Rubin frames, one one way of looking at it is starter finisher. I also think about starter and sustainer when it comes Mm. to paid work or projects in general, because I love that entrepreneurial phase where everything's new and you're kind of building it from scratch and it's exciting. You stay up all night thinking about the ideas and that's a great thing for hyper-focus. But then when it comes to sustaining it, it gets boring to me and I don't like, you know, there's an element of you can make it different day to day, but Mm -hmm. then overall it's kind of the same thing. So, you know, in my past, I don't know, five to 10 years, I have kind of jumped around to different jobs, various circumstances externally. But then also I think I just love bringing in those new tools and ideas and the fresh energy And then kind of setting that up and then moving on, kind of like a pollinator. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And there's such a need for all of those roles, whether you're a starter, sustainer, finisher. We need all of those different types of people and interests. So, yes. So very great to hear your take on it, Claire. And I'm glad that the episode resonated with you. Yes, thank you. And to our listeners who aren't sure how to record voice memos, usually on your phone, there's an app built in and you just hit record and then you can just share it and you can send it to podcast at semitogether.com. Awesome. Yes, please do. We love hearing your voices. Yes. Well, now let's get into today's topic. What are your silent shoulds? In episode 13, Stop Shoulding, we talked about why should is a word rooted in expectation, obligation, and criticism. It is a good one to go back and listen to if you missed it or need a refresher. But the main three reasons that shoulds are unhelpful are, number one, they get in the way of your goals. When you say you should do something, you are criticizing yourself, even if it's in a small or indirect way, for not doing what you feel obligated to do. And that can block you from actually making progress on the things that you want to do. Number two, the things we think we should do often don't align with what we actually want. When you feel overwhelmed by shoulds, stop and ask yourself, where am I getting this idea? 
We're often influenced by how our culture, media, or others around us define how a successful person acts and looks. But we can get curious and ask, what is it that I actually want to do? And number three, when we put shoulds on ourselves or others, we're not accepting the reality of our present situation. When you tell yourself you should be doing something, you are reinforcing the idea that you're not doing it. And if you actually want to do that thing, awesome. You can choose to do it. But if you don't really want to and you feel like you should want to, remember that shoulds are totally made up. Release yourself from the guilt or shame of things that aren't important to you. Yes. And footnote here, I actually have a whole (laughs) for the record that I have written out about this shoulds are totally made up because you may hear that and want to unpack that a little bit because you you think that there are some universal shoulds like you shouldn't murder and shouldn't steal and all of that. And I agree those are things that are not. We're not advocating murdering. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. If you really think about it, like, where does that come from? If you do believe in, like, a higher power, you know, then the Ten Commandments, those are shoulds. In Eastern culture, they have more of in the universe. If you're aligned with the moral principles, you know, you don't kill, you don't steal, that kind of thing. So there's some semantics involved. But even if you think that there are some shoulds, like, there are probably only, like, five of them (laughs) or ten if you're Christian. At any rate, if you want an explanation, I will do my for the record. But when you hear a should, ask the question, says who? You know, (laughs) says who? You get to decide. Question that authority. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> yes. And the, the whole concept of stop shooting has really made a huge difference in my day-to-day life. Me it, too. So much. You every know, day. Like, every day. I, I, of course, I still catch myself saying I should occasionally. And sometimes it's shorthand for something at work. I still say it sometimes, but I always notice when I do and I really try not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I catch myself. And when I say it, I know in my mind that I'm just saying it for a shorthand and that right. there's actually no shit. <laughs> right. If I really unpacked it, it's I'm choosing to or I want to. Right, right. For clarity or for in brevity, right. I will shorten it <laughs> No sometime. one wants like long explanation unpacked every time. <laughs> yes, I have a further record in my mind <laughs> that I say. <laughs> Yes. And I do like that it's becoming more natural to question and replace the shoulds when I say them out loud. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy about that progress. I think we've come a long way on that. Yeah, seriously, is one of the most game-changing it things is. that we've done, I think. It really over is. Over the last couple of years. Yeah. 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 So thank you for introducing me to this. Oh, sure thing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it really just puts you back in control of your own life. And then you realize, like, what am I trying to prove to anybody? <laughs> right. Know, including right. myself. It's automatic red flag to me to question. Yes. It. Yes. I now want to question it automatically. Mm-hmm. Um But that said, I have noticed that the little voice in my head will still sometimes whisper the shoulds to me. (laughs) And these, you know, silent or internal shoulds are very sneaky and they're a, a lot harder to get rid of. Yeah, sometimes they're just invisible, like you don't even you're not even aware of them. So they can be a lot more damaging because they're below the surface, but still driving our thoughts, feelings and actions. And they are often vague and irrational. So I was thinking this morning about like, where did we get these ideas? And I'll speak for myself. Like, where did I get some of these ideas? You know, there's nature and nurture. There's some genetic hardwiring of personality and then how you were raised and what you saw in your family of origin. 
And then in culture and society, we see all kinds of things that we sort of just absorb and can take mm-hmm. for granted, <laughs> like in media, reality and scripted TV, movies, books, especially the ones we grew up with, because those are, you know, a lot more gendered, I think, right? Um, you know, all of those things that they are now. And then among our peers and social media, and then in our real life networks, what we see, and then kind of can assume is the norm, or we can aspire to, but then also think, oh, I should do that. Right. Also be oppressed by. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And resentful and all these other things (laughs) that are all based on thoughts. Um, So cognitive behavioral therapy, which CBT, which we talk about a lot, and thought modeling or thought work. And here, this is what it's about. It's not what happens that makes us unhappy. It is our thoughts about what happens. And this sounds so simple, but it is completely life-changing, if you can understand this. So Brene Brown puts it, what story am I telling myself about this? I love that question. Yes, it's such a short, and you can ask yourself that question every time you feel unhappy or, you know, and sometimes that is an appropriate response to be unhappy or to be angry or whatever, but... You need to realize a lot of the time it's because of the story you're telling yourself about it. And thoughts create feelings. Feelings fuel actions. Actions drive results. And this is the secret to happiness and success in life. I cannot (laughs) emphasize this enough. Not an understatement. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it takes an instant to understand but a lifetime to master. Yes. <laughs> At least on the surface, and then it will sink in over time. But right. That's the whole idea, right? Constantly. With practice. Mm-hmm. And in my ADHD-focused group, we're constantly doing these thought models where we take each of these things and break it down and then replace it with thoughts. This is CBT. You replace the negative irrational thoughts. You reframe it to be more helpful to you mm-hmm. <laughs> and more positive. So here's some small examples that have caused conflicts over, I don't know, the past few years of my life in our family. This is a silly one, but when Darren and I were picking out living room furniture a few years ago, I was just rejecting some of his suggestions outright. And he was asking why. And I said, coffee tables should be square. <laughs> and he looked at me like I was an alien. Like, what are you talking Who about? Says? I know. And only then did I realize how bananas that sounded. And uh, like, where did I get that idea? Because you and I, Jill, grew up with an oval coffee table. Yeah, I was about to say, ours was not square. <laughs> I know. I think it's like the past few years I'd had square ones and I was maybe just being difficult I don't know but by servicing that silent shit I just like opened my mind to what coffee tables could be and (laughs) funnily enough we picked to have no coffee table we just have these two cushy ottomans because we just like like to put our feet up most of the time and if we need drinks we have these little drink trays that we stick there yeah (laughs) look at you writing the rules I know open your mind (laughs) yeah And then, so personality differences, me being an Enneagram 1, a perfectionist, and then Evan being an 8, the challenger, we've had a lot of conflicts over the years because I have grown up with the belief that kids should do as their parents ask the first time and without fuss. That's just something I've had as a (laughs) given in the back of my mind. And so when I have this child who does not have that in his mind. That is not a should for him. No, he just like does not assume or believe that. He's just wired that way to challenge and to question and to resist. So I'm just like, wow. I mean, and if I look at that, I can reframe this as it's more convenient for the parents if kids do what they ask and and safer a lot of the time, frankly, which is what we tell the kids. But, you know, kids are humans and they have their own free will. And then some parents might ask them to do things that are not ethical or even just not necessary, even Mm -hmm. if you really think about it. So maybe instead, like, I can open up my mind to respectful discussion, (laughs) even if it annoys me. I mean, what we tell the kids is listen the first time because it could be a safety issue. Do the thing and then we can discuss it later if you have questions about why. can negotiate 
later yes tiny yes. lawyers will <laughs> plead their yeah case. when I surfaced that that silent should that made more sense to me why we had so many conflicts yes and that just kind of gives you a little more peace of mind you know it's not like it should be this way and it's not and I'm angry about it it's like just completely yeah. rewriting it or just you're wrong and I'm right and then you kind of surface it and unpack it and like what is it that I'm actually believing that's making me unhappy and maybe that's actually true or true for everybody yes yeah, so there's a lot we have for ourselves, too, when we turn the silent shoulds on ourselves. Um, and for me, so there, I have some about generally the way the, wor- the world should work, in quotation marks. And one of them that I realized that has made me unhappy through a lot of my life is if I work hard, I should be rewarded. Like, things should go my way. Yeah. I should end up with a happy, fulfilling life, you know, financially stable with all the things that I've dreamed and imagined if I work hard. And I'm a good person, whatever that means, you know, like, <laughs> Right. To me, then I should. So I wish life worked that way. But it would be fair and just. <laughs> it would be just, but unfortunately, life is not always fair. There are no guarantees. You know, we're all born in different stations in life with different privileges. And there's also to be working hard at what? Like in school, there were so many school assignments that were just useless to my actual life path. And I was just kind of jumping through those hoops to get my degree, you know, following directions, getting A's. And that trained me to be more of a follower than a leader, you know. Mm. So it's like, <laughs> I didn't get rewarded. I got rewarded with the A's and the, you know, grades and all that. But in life rewards, you in know. the game of life. Like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> Very much punished by graduating and being kind of at sea and not knowing how to operate my own life. So, you know, someone like Evan, who is constantly questioning and making his own decisions, may end up better. I always, you know, joke that he'll either be running a company or a prison gang one day. <laughs> Use that challenger attitude for good and not I know, evil. he'll be a leader, you know? Yeah, <laughs> Visionary. But anyway, so when things don't go my way after I've worked hard and done all these things, I can get really down about it and, like, despair. I'm just like, well, I worked hard, it didn't happen, or I made mistakes. Like, I worked hard and the project, you know, was not perfect. So what I really could do is work smarter, try differently, not harder, mm-hmm. um, especially as an ADHD. I mean, that's the thing is people think, oh, you just try harder, but you've got to try differently, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So another one that I think probably a lot of us share, if you're listening to this podcast, is I should have my life figured out by now. Oh my gosh. Fill in the age that you are, <laughs> whether you are 21 or 41 or 61 or 81, you know, this is one that can be such a persistent should and very dangerous. We all have our own paths that unfold in their own time. And if we are intentional about paying attention and staying open and following our curiosity, I do believe that we will find what we're meant to be doing and can find a way to do it. And we are just constantly figuring out our lives every day, you know, so it's not like there's no buy now, there's no destination in I think like Michelle Obama's book Becoming. I'm like, if Michelle Obama is oh, still becoming, right? You know, then it's okay for me too, you know. <laughs> exactly. I know, and that I should have my life figured out by now is just such a narrative throughout our entire lives, you know? Like yes. I remember thinking that at twenty two, which is ludicrous. <laughs> totally bananas, yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm sure if I have the privilege of looking back on my life when I'm, you know, 80, I will think Mm -hmm. it's equally silly to think that at 37. It's an ongoing evolution. Yes, like while we are alive, we are still becoming, still evolving. So my Evolving Perfectionist Project, that's what it's about. It's like noticing how I've evolved, recognizing that, and then you know, how I'm still evolving. Yeah. I mean, it would be pretty boring if we're like, and I'm done, you know, like (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) Figured it all out. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
Another one is things should be perfect or they're worthless. (laughs) (laughs) It's one or the other. That's it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You perfectionists out there can relate to this one, but this can drive me to overthink and overdo what I'm working on or thinking about doing Mm -hmm. and then ever like ship it. Like editing a press release one more time when just like tweaking a word or two would not change the outcome, but then sending it on time would (laughs) might. Or at gatherings, you know, in normal times, like fiddling with the lights or the music or the food or whatever, instead of just rooting myself and then enjoying myself in the right, conversation. Right, being with people. Know. <laughs> yeah, just wanting to make it a little more perfect, you know. <laughs> and the idea of perfection, just this belief, of course, is 100% irrational because perfection is a delusion. Right. It does not exist. It's not a thing. It's not real. <laughs> yes. So no person is perfect. And people, you know, if you're imperfect, you're obviously not worthless, which I need to tell myself. And yes. Just life is messy and imperfect by nature. So my ADHD coach, Kristen, says, B minus work can change the world. Oh, I love that. I love. Yes, love. I know. I think many of of you also struggle with perfectionism. So this resonates with me very deeply. (laughs) But it's a constant reminder that I I want to write it down somewhere. It's like, okay, perfection's not real. And just do it good enough and get it out in the world for pretty much everything. I've tried to train myself out of using the word perfect just as a, like, excellent or whatever. I know. I do it still. <laughs> Especially because, yeah, you know, Avery, she has, I think, that tendency. Because, yeah, you know, I think she's an Enneagram 7. And in stress, they go to 1, which is the perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And so she'll be like, oh, this is perfect for me, which is, like, really cute. It's very cute. But then also, like, when she says, oh, that's perfect, you know, I'm like, oh, gosh, please don't become, you know, perfectionist. So I just try to say, like, that's awesome or excellent or great or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the vernacular can kind of seep into your actual beliefs. That's you know. true. I know. That, that one's hard to shake for me, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Client and creative work, I think I should be able to produce more paid work faster, or I should have done more with my creative projects by now. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, I am an adult with ADHD. And for anyone, it's like you have life challenges. You're a parent working full time, and there are reasons, right? Other things going on. And I am talented and skilled, but I need external systems and supports to produce more faster. Mm -hmm. Right. And by whose measure should you be doing something at a certain speed or a certain Mm -hmm. timeline? You know, obviously there are certain things that have deadlines, but when it comes to your creative projects, I mean, that's you who decides. And I'm saying this to myself, too. I have the same issue. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, seriously. And we're not machines, you know. Right. (laughs) Rest. And then it's not all about being productive, right? Right. Your value does not come from your productivity, like I always say. (laughs) Like I always say. Yes. It is an eight. Oh, my goodness. And then finally, family and home life, which there's Ah, plenty to unpack. (laughs) Yes. You you have all the mom shoulds. Oh, my gosh. The mommy wars is just let's stop, you know, like stop judging people. Stop trying to make yourself feel better about your own decisions by dumping on other people or judging other people. I think as a mom, in the back of my mind, I think I should keep a clean house. I should be skilled at planning and executing parties and gatherings, you know, normal times. Organizing appointments for doctor, dentist, vet, groomer, making sure the kids have everything they need for school and their activities and that they're clean and tidy and well fed. You know, I'll freak out. Like Avery had her sleeve on her sweatshirt was a little dirty today. So it's like, oh, take off the sweatshirt, put on a clean one. And then culturally, pressures can be even greater on traditional gender roles, depending kind of on where you live. Like in the South, for example, I think women are especially pressured to look and act pulled together at all times. Absolutely. So, yeah, I have some family and friends who are naturally gifted at parenting young children (laughs) and playful and they have the crafts and the snacks and organizing activities. And I do have a silly childlike side that I can access when I'm relaxed and not stressed out. But 
often <laughs> I am stressed out. <laughs> especially so are, in these times. Uh, yes, in these yeah. times especially. So we're prioritizing our family, creating the margin for having calm and connection. And calm and connection is just our family theme for the year. Oh, I love that. Or really of all time, but especially this year. Yes. But yeah, ultimately it's up to me not to compare myself and to just define what being a mom means to me, especially in, now that we're realizing that families look so different, the same sex couples and single parents and grandparents raising grandkids, there is no sort of cookie cutter, one size fits all way to be a parent, you know, a mother in particular for my case. Yes. Because, um, you know, moms are expected to do so much. All um, of it. All of it. You, sh- <laughs> yeah. you should be doing all of it. Is what I our know, culture just tells all you. the time, right? Yes. Um, and there's just like holdovers from g- more gender divided roles, like times in the past, like the 50s or whatever, mm-hmm. that, okay, women should clean the house and make the food and all that. And in our house, we tend to be just like, whoever's better at that thing. You know, Which is Darren. a good division of labor in general, <laughs> it right? It makes much more sense because you're going to be happier and it's going to be a better result, you know? Because Darren cooks better and faster and he likes it more. So I'll cook occasionally to relieve him of that responsibility, but it's more of a chore for me. And I take care of the appointments because I can hyper-focus on them and I am kind of like a control freak that way. So I want to make sure that they get done on time mm-hmm. and right and all that. And, you know, during non-COVID times, more social hangouts because I am more of a connector. And with the kids, we take turns. I do more of the logistics and baths and all that and laundry. And then he's like more playful with them, (laughs) which is really nice. And I, in my better moments, am too. But (laughs) he sets the tone on that one. (laughs) It's a good balance you both bring. (laughs) Yes, seriously. So that's, you know, I'm sure we could talk about all these silent shows for many moons, but those are the ones that came to mind. Oh, there were so many. That's a lot of them. So many. Yeah, what about you, Jill? What came to mind for you? Oh, I mean, I share a lot of those in terms of the perfectionism and I should have Mm -hmm. done more with my life by now and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Yes, lots of those. When it comes to work, I feel like I have a lot of those that are ingrained. And being self-employed and also American, I feel like a lot of these surface a lot. (laughs) And I notice it more living in Europe (laughs) because I don't think that a lot of these workaholic tendencies are just across the board. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always feel like there's more work to be done. I should be doing this. I should be doing more work. I should be seeking more clients. I feel guilty for resting or having non-striving time or just doing things I enjoy that rejuvenate me, which of course I know is ridiculous. (laughs) We're not machines. You can't work all the time. It's very unhealthy. And again, what is life about? <laughs> I know, exactly. Like, what is the point? If I get hit by a bus tomorrow, um, right. <laughs> will I be glad that I did that last work thing? Um, <laughs> right. Yes. And even the things that I'm interested in or want to do can become shoulds or sources of guilt and unhappiness. Like, I should be mm-hmm. doing more of this and less of this. I think a lot of the unhealthy tendencies I had in school have kind of continued into my work life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, taking on a lot of projects without pausing to ask if it needs to be done, if I want to do it, procrastination cycles that lead to stress and lack of sleep, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so oh many work shoulds. Yeah, there's, know. there's a lot. So I'm trying to become more conscious of them and like, is that something that you need to be doing right now? Like what? Who says? Why? Right. Or like doing it in that way. Or that like seat time, like clock in and out time is actually productive time, you know, like versus results only. Because if you can get your work done in four hours, you don't necessarily need the eight sitting at your desk. Yes, exactly. And I, you know, as someone who is self-employed, one of the benefits 
of that schedule is supposed to be that you can only work mm-hmm. a certain number of hours a day or take time off or take a long lunch or take, you know, right. more vacation time. And I often don't do that. I feel that internal should to be like, well, you mm-hmm. you should be working from nine to five. I'm like, I well, know, why? That's if I wanted to do <laughs> that, I could have getting... <laughs> kept a regular job. Exactly. With like stability. you're like the worst of both worlds. I know. Then. <laughs> so yes. Flip that equation. Yes. That is a garbage <laughs> schedule. <laughs> Uh, Yes, with creative projects and play, I always have lots of ideas and irons in the fire, which I now see as a very scanner tendency Mm -hmm. um, and see the positives of that. But but I do have lots of internal shoulds around how I, I could be spending my time. I'll think... I should be spending more time on this one thing, or I I should have done this already, or this should be Mm -hmm. further along. I shouldn't waste time, in quotation marks, on things that aren't productive. Like, they have to be a side hustle or making money to be worthwhile, like, which again is a very toxic American work culture thing. Oh my gosh, seriously. Well, and then the I should have done this long time ago is such a shaming oh. thing that I, that I tell myself every single day because I'm behind very frequently on things. And now I know why with my ADHD brain. Plus, there's just a lot to be done, especially yes. as a self-employed person. You have an endless to-do list, but you know, it doesn't help. It doesn't no. help to tell you like, I should have done this long ago. It just makes you avoid because it's shaming. So that just makes you avoid and hide and procrastinate longer because you do not want to face up to it. Yeah. So. It is totally a vicious cycle. Very unhelpful. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe reframing, okay, I'm brave for facing this and just starting it, you know, and trying to catch up. I'm doing it now. Yeah. Right. Better than, yeah, what is it now? Like better, what is it? (laughs) Better Better than than never. No, that one's also true. Are you talking about the tree planting one? Which one? Which which metaphor? No, I know. Which mantra? No, better late than never is what I was looking for. Yes. And some of the other ones that I have are related to home and personal life. I think I have a lot of some of those good girl cultural expectations that have been Mm -hmm. very hard to shake. I should be nice and pleasant and helpful and accommodating and non-disruptive at all times. Just make sure Uh, everyone else is mm -hmm. very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Definitely smile at Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Even when they're being uh, jerks and, (laughs) you know, don't make waves. I should say yes. I should help someone out when I can. Mm -hmm. So setting boundaries or saying no or pushing back goes against those those internal shoulds and I still struggle with them even when it is much better for me to do so. Oh, that's absolutely right. Yeah. And we've talked before about saying, oh, let me think about that. And then that gives you the buffer yes. to just be able to actually decide if it's something you want to do and have time to do. Yes. Because so often I will just say, yeah, okay, mm. great. And then later I'm like, wait, why did you do yeah, that? Yeah. Why did I agree to that? <laughs> <laughs> What's up with that, past Jill? Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of shoulds around women should be mothers mm. that I reject and I resist, mm-hmm. but are still very much present. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have decided that I do not want children, even though I like kids very much and I love the ones in my life. But there's a lot of that pressure to, you should start a family, like you should do this or you're going to regret it. You should, Mm -hmm. you know, we've talked about this before. Um, Unless you're the one actually raising those children, you really don't get an opinion. (laughs) That's right. And then you don't know what's going on with people. I mean, people don't necessarily know that you, you know, it's a choice or with anybody. Right. So yeah, just keep it to yourself. You know, if you have those ideas, please. But the good for her, not for me, really works here. So, so, so much. Yes. Because yes, it's a very sensitive issue. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. very personal. Very personal. (laughs) And people come to this a lot of different ways. So those shoulds are super unhelpful and can be really harmful to people who may want children and aren't able to. So it's really crappy to be like, oh, you should you should start a family soon. They're like, well, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the advice. Thanks yeah. a lot for the unsolicited advice. So yeah. And some people don't yet have partners and want them. And yes. so keep it to yourself. Yes. <laughs> all like, of those things. There's no should. I know. And things happen in their own time or they're, you know, that's not set up to be that way. And so you do you. Yes. There are many ways to have family. There are many ways to have a happy and fulfilling life. So yeah, that one's a, a big one for me. Um, Comparing myself to others, especially on social media, I feel Mm -hmm. like we all get a lot of those shoulds by scrolling through your Facebook or Instagram and being like, oh, I should be more like that. I should also own this house. I should earn this much money or whatever it is. It's easy, as we've talked about, to compare yourself to the highlight reel of other people. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Not reality. (laughs) No. (laughs) So dangerous. Comparing your insides to other people's outsides. Yes. A hundred percent. So... I have some around cleaning and decluttering as well. You know, I should have the house more organized or I should deal with that space or blah, blah, blah. And I think that ties into the what you were talking about of like a mom should do X, Y, and Z. And I feel like it's like as the woman of the house, I should mm-hmm. have it. Because, you know, you are still judged more than guys are. <laughs> I know. Super unfair. I mean, ultimately, you have to separate yourself and be like, look, if they judge me, that's their business. But still, it's not fair. No. no. <laughs> and like if my children come to school with tangled hair or dirt on their clothes, it's the mom that's going to get judged. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, luckily these days I'm not having people over. So there's not, <laughs> not a lot of pressure. Um, and I still like to keep the house tidy for my own sanity. But, you know, my desk is a disaster. I've got papers piled up everywhere, you know, lots of shit. Just a messy creative. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and apparently a scanner thing to do as well. Lots of little oh. piles and things everywhere. So yeah. my post-its are out of control. As usual. <laughs> so, many. so many. And I have some around, again, things I want to do, like connecting with friends or family. Mm-hmm. I should reach out. I should schedule a time or find a time for a walk or a coffee. But especially now, like my energy has really ebbed and flowed throughout the pandemic for this kind mm-hmm. of thing. And so I feel guilty when I feel like I'm not doing enough to stay in touch with people, but I'm also just exhausted, you know? Like Yeah, yeah. And I think we all have different phases of this, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm very empathetic to friends when they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I've been a bad friend. I'm like, not at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, not at all. We've, we're, we're all just, all just like survive. getting through and taking care of ourselves. And I totally feel that too, though. There's so many people that I want to catch up with. But then there's just a weird mental block for me on when scheduling like a Zoom call or something where mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, well, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I mean, granted, I've got the kids and you never know what their energy is sure. going to be like. But also it just seems like, I don't know. <sighs> Just one more thing to schedule or something. I don't know. Even though I really want to do it. (laughs) I totally agree. And I just had a a catch up with a friend today, which was wonderful. And it was someone Mm -hmm. I've been wanting to talk to for a long time. And that was so fun. And it didn't feel like, you know, just another thing on my to-do list. Mm -hmm. And that's the way it usually is with friend catch-ups. But when you're really busy and you're on calls all day, like, Mm -hmm. it makes sense. Yeah, Um, that's true. Like Zoom fatigue is real. It's real. Yeah. So one of the good things is that I've noticed that a lot of my appearance shoulds don't feel very strong these days. (laughs) Yeah, same. Great. (laughs) Thanks, pandemic. Yeah. So all those like, I should dress cuter. I should learn Mm -hmm. how to do makeup better. I should be on some ridiculous restrictive eating plan and lose weight or like whatever. (laughs) I'm like, no, no, all that's a hard no. Most of my clothes don't show my body outline anyway. So I'm like, (laughs) just going to enjoy that. Yeah. I'm like, those leggings really just fit whatever body you have. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah. Expand and contract with whatever shape, whatever form you're in. Yeah, it's the perfect. (laughs) The skin you're in. 
Oh my gosh, uh, I know. Yes. It is very liberating <laughs> to not see people <laughs> yes, <really> long. They're <laughs> only from like the, the neck up on a call. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you have the zoom filter. <laughs> yes, I love that. Enhance. Mm. Yes. <laughs> well, back in our episode on shoulds in episode 13, we recommended three steps for dealing with them. And we have modified them to help you manage some of the more insidious internal shoulds. So first, just notice when a should or one of its variations, need to, got to, have to, supposed to, pops into your head. Don't judge or beat yourself up about it. No, I shouldn't be saying should. (laughs) (laughs) That is second arrow stuff, which is a Buddhist parable about causing yourself unnecessary additional pain that we talk about in episode 39. So just simply acknowledge the should as a thought that you're having. So for example, if you think I should be further along in my career or I should go for a run, just notice the thought and get curious about it. Yes, that's a good mindfulness practice. Yes. Just notice without judgment. And second, question the should. You ask immediately, says who? Yes. (laughs) Says who that I should? Where is this coming from? Where am I getting this idea? Is this something I truly believe or want to do? Is this thing that I think I should do an actual necessity or a priority? Would this bring me closer to the life that I want? And for example, so Evan has a bunch of sweatshirts, but he just likes to wear one to school over and over again. (laughs) So (laughs) at some point I was like, Evan, can you wear a different sweatshirt? And he's like, no, I like this one. And so I'm thinking like, oh, his teachers are going to think that I'm not taking good care of my kid and it's going to get dirty. And I was like, you know what? If it's not visibly dirty, if it doesn't stink, then that's really up to him if he wants to wear that every day, you know? Right. And as someone who's been wearing the same hoodie for the last week, I really (laughs) can't judge. I know, I really can't judge. It's true. (laughs) That's me too. Yep. (laughs) And third, rewrite the should. So practice doing this in your head, out loud, and on paper, so you have a few options ready to use depending on the situation. When you think, I should, gently reword it with language of possibility, intention, and accountability, instead of criticism, guilt, or shame. Think, I could, I want to, or I'm going to. And if you can, say the new sentence out loud or write it down in a notebook. Yeah, so for example, you know, I've long thought I should write a book about the Reschool Yourself Project, and granted, I did. <laughs> it's not the book that I wanted to write, so I should rewrite the book to make it the book that I want, you know. That's very shaming, so I can reframe that as I could, or I could do a number of other things with that material, like a podcast or essay collection, or I could do nothing, honestly, and I get to decide. Yes. And that is a very helpful mantra, I get to decide. I love that mantra. It is such a good <laughs> reminder for me. <laughs> yes. Me too. And for other silent shoulds, you can rephrase the thought entirely, like things should be perfect or they're worthless. You can say nothing is perfect. People and things have value in all their messy imperfection. And then some helpful mantras for that are progress, not perfection, or better done than perfect, like I always say. Like I always say. Yep, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, like I always say. I got that tattooed on my arm. I know. Okay, so now it is time for Get It Together, Got It Together, a segment where we share something we'd like to work on and something that is going well for us right now. So Malia, what is your Get It Together, Got It Together? Well, my Get It Together, as it has been many times before, is sleep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Right now, the kids are actually doing okay. They're doing pretty oh, well. Good. Yeah, they are sleeping through the night. They are no longer calling from their rooms. They just get up on their own. When the, We have this uh, okay to wait clock, uh, which are actually heating, which is really nice. nice. It turns green at a certain time you set. So for them, it's 6 o'clock. So now I get to sleep till 6.30 or whatever. We have to get up to get them to school. So my alarm goes off. But I tend to just go to bed too late. I prioritize present Malia's fun over future Malia's well-being. <laughs> and if I'm honest with myself, I'm like, sleep is boring to me. I'd rather be reading. I'd rather be doing things. So, What a waste However, of time to sleep. <laughs> I know. However, sleep is... Of course, so important for your mental health, your physical health, your metabolism, focus, mood, family life, and for ADHD, it is one of the best treatments for ADHD. So honestly, you know, before meds, before therapy, all these other things that I'm doing, sleep. (laughs) You get get so impaired when you're not rested. So anyway, I am working on that and not, not having a glass of wine after I put the kids to bed. I'll have some tea, like sleepy time tea instead. And that's helped because it doesn't have that sugar spike, you oh, know, yeah. um, while you're sleeping. And then it's just better. So we'll just like drink wine with dinner and then have some tea after hours. My got it together is that I finally brought the car in for new tires and oh. got the turn signal fixed. Yeah, this was quite a saga over many, probably a couple years, honestly, because I had that low tire pressure. <laughs> I've talked about this in a previous episode long ago, and that issue, I thought it was resolved when I brought it in. It was not resolved. So basically, we just needed new tires in general because the treads were getting low and all that. So you ordered the tires to the place, and then they installed them, which is cheaper. P.S. That's a good pro tip. Instead <laughs> of buying them directly from the installer. Anyway, in short, I got the tires fixed. I got the turn signal fix that had been going on for very long. And I got into my car every time and was like, oh, this is still broken, you know. So finally put it on the calendar and got it done. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a really big yes. one. Those things are so annoying when they just... <gasps> They're so annoying. I mean, and we're home. We could just do it, but it's just a really annoying adulting thing to do. And of course, it's not cheap and all that. But right. It, it checks it all the done. boxes for a very annoying adult task. <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> so seriously. good for you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. What about you, Jill? Okay. So my get it together is not following our own advice and practicing the pause. It is one of those things that I know serves me well in every area of my life, but I have just been kind of quick to anger lately, quick to be annoyed by things, quick to, you know, say yes to things without thinking about them, as we talked about earlier. Just in general, not taking that moment to like check in with myself. Is this something that I want to do? Is this something that is worth getting upset over or any number of things? So I feel like I have the last week I have not been doing that very well. Like more of a knee-jerk reaction than like an intentional response. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I feel you. Yeah. It's the charged times, I think, partially. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like everything's just kind of really beneath the surface, you know, Mm -hmm. like very thinly veiled (laughs) rage. Yeah. One little trigger will just bring it. (laughs) Yeah. trigger. (laughs) Bring out the beast. Yeah. We've been thinking of it as like hulking out, you know, like Bruce Banner's (laughs) rational, calm, you know, he hulks out. It's totally irrational. Smash. (laughs) Yes. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's actually a funny way of thinking about it yes like don't hulk out (laughs) (laughs) yes and that would help me laugh a little bit and have a little levity right so I feel just a little bit in that zone this past week so Mm -hmm. trying to get back in the habit just kind of you know 
resetting. <laughs> yeah, and give yourself a like mental or a physical hug, you know, yes. like you would to a friend. Yes. yes. We all need that right now. For especially because it has not been a very gentle January oh my gosh. <laughs> for either one of us. January was brutal, yes. So now that we're in February, it will be, I hope, maybe a little easier, a little more calm. We'll yes. see. The month of love. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my got it together is that I've been very conscious about completing the stress cycle, as we talk mm. about in our episode, Pressing the Reset Button. We talk about the book Burnout and how important it is to complete the stress cycle with something physical (laughs) and not Mm -hmm. just letting your stress kind of build and fester. So I've been really conscious about that. And when I'm feeling frazzled or stressed out, just going for a short walk, that's my go-to usually, sometimes playing music or dancing, but often I'll just go for a walk and either listen to a podcast or an audiobook. Fiction has really been the most comforting for me lately. I have a lot of nonfiction Mm -hmm. that I enjoy and I learn a lot from, but that's not the Mm -hmm. best way for me to complete the stress cycle sometimes. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Sometimes it stresses you out more. Yes. I'm like, even when I'm learning something, I'm like, okay, maybe personal (laughs) development or like, you know. Right. I feel you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I just started the book, The Midnight Library, which is Mm. a fairly new book. I think it came out in the last year. And it mm-hmm. is so good so far. I may be like an hour and a half into the Audible book. But it's kind of like that idea of choose your own adventure. It's like mm. between life and death, there is a library. And it has all of these different volumes of the lives you could have led. And wow. you could go back and actually see if you would have been happier, if your regrets. Oh my gosh. It's really what a dangerous I know. <laughs> proposition. Yeah. That and sounds it's, really interesting. It's really profound. It's very well written. So I'm curious to see where it goes. But mm-hmm. anyway, I've been going on walks and listening to this book, which is not as heavy as it sounds, at least so far. It's really good. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Well, let me know how you like it yes. in the end and maybe I'll check it out. I have at your recommendation, I've been listening to Heads Will Roll, Yay. the Audible original that Kate McKinnon did with her sister, Emily Lynn. And oh my gosh, it is freaking hilarious. So funny. Like, I love Kate McKinnon from SNL. And then there's a bunch of SNL cast members and Peter Dinklage and Meryl Streep. And she's the medieval queen, oh this gosh. evil queen. She's <laughs> so like good. trying to stave off a peasant rebellion. And <laughs> it's just so funny. And it's only like four hours long, but it, like you said, fiction is just such a relief for my brain you know I just like look forward to and it's just laugh out loud funny so highly recommend that oh I'm so glad you're enjoying it and listening to it I want to listen to it again it is so funny I bought it for a couple of friends as well because I'm like I just want everyone to enjoy this I know Kate McKinnon is a national treasure she really is we don't deserve it (laughs) I know (laughs) well that is all for this episode of semi together what are your silent shoulds How can you reframe them in a more intentional way where you get to decide? Email us at podcast at semiticketer.com or send us a voice memo. If you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for listening to Semi Together. And take it from us, you have it more together than you think you do. What are your silent shoulds? In episode 13, Stop Shoulding, we stopped. Did that sound, did that sound shoulding enough? And not, it's, I'm being <laughs> very believable. careful to say I know. should very Shoulding, <laughs> drawing out the should. Okay. Yeah, it sounded fine. <laughs> okay. No bleeps necessary. All right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>